0: Laurie Rolls, a two time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Puts his
1: hand out of the and says...
0: Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here, stuck with me as he has to stare at my face for another. Well, one more episode of recording this week and and that's that's about it but not too much IndyCar although we did think there would be no news this week and then NBC and IndyCar decided to drop a a nice a nice present in our laps actually before we recorded for once so thank you to whoever decided to announce that on a Tuesday instead of usually Tuesday night or Wednesday morning but I'm assuming everybody saw it at this point. NBC has re-upped with IndyCar on a multi-year contract where, assuming the race calendar is 17 races, 13 will be on the big NBC network, two will be on USA network, which for all purposes is essentially replacing NBCSN. John Miller from NBC said that today. And then two races will be... Peacock streaming exclusive. So I guess, Matt, before I get your input on, on that, a few other notes. I think it was Eric Smith from Race Review Online asked, you know, hey, if there's an 18th race added, where would that race go? Would it be NBC or USA? And there wasn't really too much of an answer given, but... He didn't say – John Miller, this is from NBC, didn't really say, but I kind of got the view that it would be like a USA or if it was some sort of marquee event, NBC. Definitely not a a streaming-only event. And probably the most exciting news, all races are streamed live on Peacock, even the ones that are on NBC and – what did I say? USA – are all on Peacock. I think that's the best news. So, Matt, your reaction.
1: They're 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 using the platform to stream live races? Crazy. What? Wow, that could have like gotten us around so many problems. Yeah, I mean it's mostly positive. I think for the longest time there we thought it was gonna be C B S until about a month ago. And then there was always Amazon was in play too, but I think Given the landscape of everything, I think this is the safest option for now while the industry, as far as TV and whatnot, continues to evolve through this time period. So, I know a lot of people are cutting the cord and switching to, like, internet-based subscriptions, but, you know, NBC's not going to go anywhere off of those anytime soon unless they go Sinclair on everybody, which, for those who don't understand that reference, is your... Local Fox regional sports network, which is now Bally TV, how they price themselves out of everything, which is super annoying. But uh, yeah, I think as a whole, you know, obviously there's your typical negative naysayers. You get 13 races on NBC, but you put two on the and people go nuts. And I have no idea what people want out of that situation. I mean, I don't see how having. Cause I'm assuming we're still having 18 races. I'm keeping my hopes up. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know how you take two thirds of schedule put it on there. Cause what we're at this year, eight out of sixteen.
0: I think it ends. It actually will end up being nine. Cause I think one got changed from NBCSN to NBC. But
1: yeah. Barber. Yeah. So I mean, we're still increasing. TV audiences have been way up this year on NBC. So we get that continuity. People don't have to find a new channel or whatever. I don't have too much wrong with it all all looks good to me,
0: yeah, and listen the the you know peacock is five bucks a month if you pay for premium you you're, you're getting obviously all the sports that are on peacock plus you know there's tons of TVs and movies and stuff. I know we we use it at least a couple times a week as it as it is, so and I'm, and I'm just talking by we, I mean Meg and I hear it the house but you know if you think about it so let's say you just sign up for IndyCross the only you don't care about movies TV you don't care about Tour de France hockey whatever else happens to be on there I don't know I'm making stuff up now but five bucks a month for a five six month season so that's $30 right there you get every race practice qualifying Indy Lights race and then two races are exclusively on it. So if you're already paying because you're a fan and you want to watch qualifying or you know, Indie lights or whatever, you're, you're already there. Or if you just pay for, let's say that both, both of these races are, let's say they're two separate months. So you pay $5 one month, cancel, pay $5 another month and cancel. You're really only spending 10 bucks at the most get those two races that otherwise you you wouldn't see so i don't think it's a big deal we're seeing stuff go more streaming streaming focused in the long run but getting 13 of hypothetical 17 i'm gonna do that math because i can't do math in my head to save my life here 13 divided by 17 is Seventy, just over seventy-five percent, seventy-six percent of your races. So three quarters of the races are on NBC. Two are on USA. So that's fifteen to seventeen. Yeah, that's close to ninety percent of the races on TV already. So I, I honestly was expecting a lot worse. I was expecting like eight or nine, maybe ten NBC, and the rest fully Peacock. So I was pleasantly surprised today. I, I, I. I'm I'm happy with the way it's going. NBC's done great things for IndyCar. That obviously, like you mentioned, the TV numbers are really good this year. So I'm I think it's I think it's a big win for IndyCar as we kind of hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to this coronavirus and impacting businesses and and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I hear everything you just said. I was just thinking in my head that from now on I'm just going to call it th-
0: no. I'm going to bleep that one. It's definitely <laughs> both times getting bleeped because they are about four. Well, every four, time
1: but. I say the it's is going to get bleeped and people, <laughs> we're going to get so confused. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the fun. Yeah. Actually, before I uh, go on to the remainder of our episode, because like we said, we don't really have a whole lot to talk about this week. I had another non-racing question to ask you, and yeah. it's a food one, and I imagine that People are not going to be very thrilled with me. And I accept that. That's fine. Yeah. But we got talking in the group about gravy. And if you like turkey like gravy, gravy, turkey and gravy, mashed potatoes and yeah. gravy, gravy and biscuits, whatever you want. You know, white gravy. I don't even know. what you, is it brown gravy? Yeah. Mean, whatever you call it. Do you like gravy on certain food items? And is it something that you couldn't live without?
0: Yes, I like it. I could also live without it. I, it's not like a maker like it wouldn't break my life if it never existed.
1: Cuz for the longest time I did uh, on Thanksgiving I did barbecue sauce with my turkey. <laughs>
0: now that's that is just I cannot allow that's uh, that's pretty screwed up. I I <laughs> I I really am at a loss for words with that one. But I well, mean it, listen.
1: It's just dry ass turkey. It's just
0: yeah, I, I that's, but but, yeah. but it's okay, okay.
1: But it has been several years because I think it's been like six or seven years actually. Because my family now, they my dad and mom have a, a turkey breast fryer, so they take like one of the I don't know how many like six pound turkey breasts and then yeah. just fry it, deep fry it in peanut oil. Oh, I'm never gonna go back to bake turkey ever again now, and. I imagine a like 20-pound turkey for like a whole turkey fryer, probably is not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so then I didn't do gravy before. I'm definitely not doing gravy now. Uh, with mashed potatoes, I do butter.
0: Yep, I agree. But- butter on mashed potatoes, 100%. And actually,
1: Sammy's got me into loaded mashed potatoes now, so melted cheese and bacon on that, too.
0: Okay, I can live with that.
1: With biscuits... I slice it in half and put egg, cheese, and bacon on it, so I don't need no gravy for that.
0: I like biscuits and gravy, but I also, like, don't swear by them, so I, I would agree with you again on this one.
1: But I imagine there are several people at home right now rolling their eyes. Oh, there's yeah. probably I know there's tons of gravy fans out there, I just don't understand why.
0: Do you know what's infuriating is that, like, some hardcore Italian people maybe, like, crazy jack in in the xbox league that call marinara sauce gravy and it's so annoying
1: no he doesn't and i'm part italian does he really
0: i don't know if jack does but i mean italian people and they're some I Oh, italian you're just lumping him do.
1: in with all italians
0: yeah sorry jack i i mean no offense <laughs> I mean no offense by that but you're like the one italian guy in the group that i know is italian so I'm see just last week when you were giving
1: me him. shit about lumping you in with all philly fans
0: uh, I'm. I am very abnormal when it comes to Philly fans and the sports I like because well, I, don't, I like, don't like half the teams.
1: Well, you don't, but you also don't send death threats to people every time they no. miss a completion.
0: No, no. <sighs> I also don't expect the Eagles to do well this year, and I don't really care.
1: Well that's okay. All right. Well, oh,
0: I have one for
1: you. Oh, oh go I ahead. One for you and I.
0: I Is it food? I thought, no, it was not food. I am hungry now, though. Yeah, we're going to go I, eat right after this. So I have been known to eat an entire family-sized thing of mashed potatoes on my own. That's how much I like them.
1: Good God. Are you, a, are you okay with microwave mash, or does it have to be, like, hand mash?
0: Uh, I I like mashed potatoes so much, I don't care. I'd eat them off the sidewalk.
1: I'm exactly the same. I do, like, Sammy thinks it's super weird, but, like, we just grew up with microwave mash. Fine with me. Yeah. I Actually, mean, like, something I, like, when hand mash isn't finely handed enough, if that's a word.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like
1: if it's like when there's chunk- the chunks in it, yeah, yeah. When it's chunks in there, no thanks.
0: Yeah, that's that's fair. I I I am annoyed at how much I'm agreeing with you on food right now because that's usually not say, the I'm case. I'm
1: like a Neanderthal when it comes to food. So,
0: but I do agree with you. I mean, although, you know, my mom and my aunt Renee, on my my mom's sister, are fantastic cooks and cook amazing mashed potatoes. So, if I was at their house, I would not want the microwavable stuff, but. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There, there's microwaveable mashed potatoes in my fridge right now. so
1: There you go. All right. Well, back to racing. So we were yeah. just brainstorming something to talk about this week, and we decided to come up with kind of a – not so much a debate topic, but just a discussion topic of if we could have in this modern era of IndyCar any five drivers, dead or alive, race – like so talking IndyCar drivers, dead or alive – race in this modern era of IndyCar and five tracks on the schedule in this modern era of IndyCar, what would we have? And so we split it down the middle. So I got three drivers and two tracks, and then Mike had three tracks and two drivers. So we will start with the drivers. We'll go one at a time here. So the one that instantly flew to the top of my list for drivers that I would love to see in this era is Greg Moore. I think given the era that he raced in that is somewhat kind of sort of similar but not his era was not as specky as it is now. Uh, I think he would massively excel in this environment of IndyCar. I think he would massively excel at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I think he'd be a phenomenal talent there. It is such a shame that we never got to see him race the Indy 500. And you know, on the whole, I think he would still be able to compete with the best of them.
0: Alright, I'll jump in. I'm going to go a little bit more old school with this driver. Eddie Sachs competed in the late 50s, early 60s before tragically passing away in the 1964 Indy 500. There's a great book on it, Black, Black Noon, I believe it's called. I read it in two days, and I never read books that quick, so if you haven't read it, I highly, 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 highly recommend it. It's Really interesting, but Eddie Sachs was kind of a, a a badass driver. You know, didn't give two f's about anything. Went full throttle. Didn't care about anybody else out there. And I would really like to see what what somebody like him could do in in modern times, even even if it was like somewhat modern times. But yeah, I I was always I'm always fascinated with with Eddie Sachs stories and articles and books and whatnot. I think he's in had an interesting background coming into racing. So, I don't want to I, I won't spend too much time on it, but Eddie Sachs is one for you youths out there that maybe don't know too much about him. And I'm not singling you out, Matt. I know you didn't know the name too well beforehand, but it's worth it's worth investigating. He's he's a pretty interesting guy.
1: Now listen here, just because I wasn't alive for the 1964 Indy 500 like you doesn't mean you have to give me crap about it.
0: I'm just giving you crap because last night you were like, I didn't know that name.
1: No, I knew the name. I didn't know that he oh, okay. died.
0: Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. All right, all right. No, Fair. yeah, yeah. You're Fair. like, because
1: I was like, yeah. We were talking about who we should pick, and and I'm like, wait, Eddie Sachs died. And you're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. I knew his name yeah. though, at the very least. All right, next one for me. I think Danny Sullivan in his prime would have been absolutely glorious in this era, not only for his drivability, but he's you know he's kind of got that Joseph Newgarden kind of feel to him where a lot of people think he's a good looking dude and very marketable, things like that. I think for me personally, Danny Sullivan, you know, obviously had the famous spin and win and a championship too, but I think he is one of the most underappreciated drivers in team Penske history with what he was able to do the year that he got iced out and had to go elsewhere. I think he went to Alfa Romeo Patrick the year he left Penske. Um, I'm still shocked to this day, looking back on that, how he was the one who was kind of iced out of the operation because he was actually still doing very well and, in my opinion, better than his teammates. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, I think he would also do very well in this era of racing.
0: All right. My last driver is Roberto Guerrero. Obviously, he had decent amount of success in the late 80s and early 90s obviously his accident also kind of prevented him from having further success and he's one that if healthy and racing now i think would be you know a a perennial front runner year after year drove great cars always you know
1: it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash
0: second a couple times so second at least once i can't remember now that i'm actually talking about him but another guy that i find i find very interesting to watch old races of his and, and how good he was mainly prior to the accident and unfortunate that it happened
1: and then my last one i'm actually going old school which is weird for me i'm going jim clark oh great pick Yeah, I think, what did he end up winning? He ended up winning like a third of the Formula One races he entered. And the reason he counts as an IndyCar driver is because Formula One sanctioned the, or somehow, (laughs) I don't know how, the Indy 500 was a Formula One race. And I think it was 1965, he won with the rear engine Lotus and was an unbelievable driver, unbelievable talent. I think the only potential knock I would have on him in these cars is that he never raced in anywhere close to a spec era. So I don't know if that would translate or whatnot, but just on a talent standpoint, the guy was unbelievable. So I imagine he would have no problem getting up to speed in his prime in a current Indy car. And, you know, he also loved to jump into anything that had four wheels and an engine because it was... The tragic accident that killed him, he was actually in an F2 car, I believe, or whatever the equivalent of an F2 car yeah. back in the day was. So he wasn't even in the top series, even though he was a Formula 1 champion, he was still just racing whatever. So I think you would do quite well in this era.
0: I agree. That's a great pick. All right. So we'll I had a – oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. We're not done there. Oh.
1: Got to throw you one now. So we're entering a race with Eddie Sachs, Roberto Guerrero, Greg Moore, Danny Sullivan, and Jim Clark in this era of IndyCar and they're all on the same team. Who is going to win at let's just say Road America? Jim Clark. Really?
0: I uh, I Yeah. If you're, yeah.
1: I would agree. Who would win at um uh, I guess I was trying to think of an oval. We only got, like, three to pick from. So, I guess who would win at Indianapolis? I
0: would go a toss-up between Eddie Sachs and Greg Moore.
1: I would say Greg Moore would probably get my vote on that one. So, man, that would be cool to see.
0: Yeah. Great. Good question. All right. So, like like Matt mentioned, we'll do tracks. I'll start off first, go with a local one, Nazareth Speedway. Just a, a, a hair-over-a-mile track IndyCar has proven to be quite the show on shorter tracks like Iowa over the past couple of years. Unfortunately, no Iowa this year. Fingers crossed it comes back. So I think, I you know, obviously for many selfish reasons, but I, would, I think Nazareth would be a lot of fun with the current IndyCar.
1: Yep, I agree. I hope it'd be more like... Iowa and less like Phoenix, but I think they could be able to make some passes there. I would say on my list a, another modern ish one would be what modern ish but also classic would be Watkins Glen uh on my venue ranking list that I just came out with on YouTube, please go check that out and subscribe. I had Watkins Glen as my fourth best venue since twenty twelve just got everything you would want in a road course, and like I said, historic. So it's got that lure to it that way, and I think it would be a great show for IndyCar to go back there.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that one because it was, I was torn about putting it in there, and I kind of figured once I saw your video, which by the way, please go to our YouTube and check it out. There, a lot of fun that you would cover that one, so I I skipped over it. Second on the list for me is Mexico City Autodromo uh Herman Rodriguez Hermanes Rodriguez I have a typo in my te- text here so that's why I stumbled for a second. I just think that would be really fun and I unfortunately Mark Miles today said so we're kind of not really looking at Mexico but can you imagine the crowd that race would would bring and the excitement Pato Award would just he i mean he bring he brought a boatload of people to another track actually that's on my on my list in in more recent times so i think that one would be really fun i think mexico would would be a a great crowd and a, a good a good place to throw a, a race
1: yeah mexican sports fans rock so i yes. think they would definitely come out and show some love to indycar if they went back there so that's cool uh, my second and final pick for tracks would be Michigan. I think Michigan is a fun race. It would be one that would work quite well with this aero package, in my opinion, because there'd be plenty of time for cars to draft. And I also don't think it would be a pack race by any stretch of the imagination with this current aero package, which is also a plus yeah. and an incentive to go back there. Obviously, conflicts with Belle Isle and funding and primary sponsorship and a whole host of other things yeah but i don't see it happening anytime soon obviously but it would be cool if one day they did decide to go back
0: yeah i agree Uh, that was another one i was torn with my last one i was really trying to find a track from like the 1920s like real old school i actually almost put a board track on here but just thought that was kind of unrealistic in every like not even realistic enough to put on the list. So I went with circuit of the Americas. Obviously we we only got there once last year was canceled because of COVID not on this year. I hope it comes back. The facility itself is top notch. The racing was pretty good. And I think given another year, the cars would have adapted even more. And I do also like the city of Austin. So I think that one would be great. Pato brought, a large contingent of fans to Austin, Texas, I think had a whole PADO section or like PADO ticket package sort of thing. So that would be you know, a good way to draw in the crowd that doesn't really show up to Texas Motor Speedway. <laughs> Oops. I think that's that's about it. So out of those five, so we had Watkins Glen, Michigan, Nazareth, Mexico City and Coda, which one? Hypothetically, pretend pretend you are Mark Miles. Are you going? I have, and let's also pretend that Nazareth isn't decrepit and falling apart. Really, at this point, it's more of a, yeah, more just a few buildings are left standing, if that. Would you say, I have? We have to go there. We have to make it work.
1: I would say Michigan. I think Michigan would be a lot of fun. Me as a fan, I would almost want to say COTA because Austin sounds like a really fun city to go to and hang out. Yeah. And then obviously the facility is really nice. But me as kind of just a guy who loves ovals and loves the history of IndyCar, I think Michigan would be a lot of fun and would put on a great race for fans and show off that speed element that IndyCar loves to show off.
0: So I... I want to pick Nazareth because it's 45 minutes from my house, but being that it would need a lot, like, years of work to get back in shape, I will go with Watkins Glen, keep it in the Northeast. Watkins Glen always draws a good crowd. The track is amazing. I've never actually been there, but I've driven past the exit on the highway to get to and from Toronto, so I would love to go up there top of the top of my one of the one of the top of my bucket lists of tracks that are actually still in existence all right guys we'll wrap it up there matt anything else negative all right well i don't think there's like any racing this weekend which is a super bummer i don't think there's like even formula e or extreme e which is awful but we'll save that discussion for the off season anyway guys have a lovely weekend We will be back next week with another episode. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply to immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co.